The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great America Show. The Marxist left's radical agenda has recently run into unexpected headwinds. President Biden's infrastructure bill required the votes of 13 turncoat rhinos for passage. Voters in Virginia made it clear parents will decide what is taught in their public schools, not the government not the teachers' unions, and definitely not the failed gubernatorial Democratic candidate, Terry McAuliffe, who declared a week before the election that parents had no right to tell schools what to teach. Well, that's changing. And over the past weekend, a federal appellate court blocked President Biden's vaccine mandate for private companies. As I said, tough going for the Biden leftist agenda. We're joined today by Congressman Jim Jordan, who serves as a member of the House of Representatives from Ohio's 4th District. He was first elected in 2007. Congressman Jordan is a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, one of President Donald Trump's greatest supporters and advocates, and a great American. And now, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, it is great to have you with us. Uh, I want to start with... uh, the referendum, if you will, that we saw in Virginia mm-hmm. and to uh, a lesser, perhaps lesser, we it's still unresolved uh, in New, New Jersey, but uh, a shocking, yeah. shocking results for a Democratic Party that thought they had it all sewed up. Yeah, well, but good to be with you, Lou. Um, no, you're exactly right. Turns out that uh, when you when you tell parents government's smarter than they are and when you uh, tell them that you're going to defund the police, uh, voters don't like that too much. And I, I think they spoke up loud and clear, uh, frankly, in both states. And, you, you know, I, I think the one I love is the the truck driver who spent 150 or 160 bucks, whatever it was. And I think, you know, half of that was for Dunkin Donuts, uh, donuts and coffee for a few staff people um, beats the Senate <clears throat> Senate majority leader. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's America apple pie right there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, parents don't like to be told what to do and they, they don't like the idea that the, that the attorney general is going to spy on them and get the FBI involved coming to school board meetings simply because they're, they're showing up speaking out against this, this racist hate America curricula that's being, being taught in some of our schools. So, uh, God bless moms and dads, uh, for, 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 uh, doing what they did and taking that message and getting that message out. And I think that was the reason you saw Glenn Youngkin win so big in Virginia. And, you know, I, one of the expressions I love uh, best about the, uh, the parents who are showing up in school board meetings, uh, many of them for the first time, uh, they, some of the activists calling them mama bears and papa bears. And uh, they are roaring. There was just such a good feeling, not for the Democrats, of course, but for anyone who cares about the quality of education in this country to, to see a, a, a contest yeah. for those children, 
their yep. parents forced to fight the state, to fight the, the teachers unions, to fight the the woke, uh, if you will, uh, coalition yep. of, of abject fools who think that they know better than parents about how to raise their children. Yeah. The same parents we've been asking, Congressman, to get engaged, to yep. be involved in their uh, children's education. And uh, hallelujah for what they achieved and yeah. what the Republican Party, uh, frankly, responded to. No, it was great. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said many times is the, the same same point you just made is that, uh, you know, we have to deal with lobbyists from time to time. I want to come talk to you about certain things. But I, but I always say no high paid lobbyist will ever beat a mom on a mission. And in this case, we had moms on a mission to do what's best for their sons and their daughters. Um, and they and their husbands were standing up and saying, no, 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 we, we, we're not going to we're not going to tolerate this. And you couple that, Lou, with with what we have seen from the Biden administration. I mean, everything they touch is is, is turned out bad. I mean, we got a border that's in that's that's complete chaos. We got inflation everywhere. The price of gas is up. The price of eggs, milk, you just name it. Everything is 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 up. We went from relatively safe streets in our urban areas to crime up, violent crime up in every major city in the country. We went from a respect around the world to the debacle that was the exit from Afghanistan. So you couple all that with this direct attack on parents, and voters said enough already. And you know, there's a reason that polling showed a week ago that that. 71% of our fellow citizens think the country's on the wrong track. I think the real takeaway from that is who are the 29% who think we're on the right track for goodness right. sake. Absolutely. So, so all that together, uh, people came out and spoke in a strong way. And I think it's going to carry over into next year's midterm uh, congressional elections. I, and what we have seen to this point is, is breathtaking because suddenly the, the foundation of what the democratic party is representing uh, I'm going to say under President Biden, I don't for a moment believe he is driving the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. I, th I think they are quite capably managing him. Uh, they may be headed for the abyss, but they're the ones at the wheel. Uh, this is a time for the Democrats to say what happened in Virginia, what is happening in New Jersey. And instead, Sheila Jackson Lee comes out and says they had a terrible night because they had a terrible candidate and Terry McAuliffe. And oh, by the way, everybody in the state of Virginia is a, a, a damn racist. Yeah. I mean, it's more the same. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to double down because never forget, you know, you know, this and your, your listeners know this, the left doesn't like America. They, 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 they we, we've never had this before where it used to be, you know, the, the 50, 60 years ago, maybe even more recent that you had two parties, uh, they both love the country. They just had different kind of ways that they thought we were going to help the country. Not today. Right. The left wants to fundamentally change America. So they don't take lessons from what happened on uh, Tuesday night in, in Virginia and New Jersey and around the country where they said, no, no, we actually like to fund the police. We actually think police are good for communities. Um, so they don't take the lessons. They just double down on their left wing ideology that has hurt the country for these 10 months where they've had complete control of the government. And I think the other thing that was in play, Lou, was the direct attack on our liberties. I mean, right. you, you think about every right we enjoy under the First Amendment has been assaulted over the last year by the left. And now we have it, it, it continuing with these vaccine mandates. I mean, you, you ask yourself the question, is our supply chain going to be helped if we have more truck drivers or less truck drivers? Because we're going to have less if they continue with this vaccine mandate requirement. Right. Is our is our is do we do we have better health care if we have more nurses working or less nurses working? 
So th- this is how crazy they are. But the left is about control. It's about fundamentally changing the country. So they're going to double down and not learn any lessons from what happened. And the Biden administration being transparently uh, cowardly and, uh, if you will, Machiavellian in a very yeah. <laughs> naive yeah. fashion, at least. But moving the mandate uh, deadline to January 4th because they've been told by business by uh, their uh, party and the rank and file that, by the way, if you keep pushing this, we're not going to have a holiday shopping season. Yeah, People aren't going to have a Yule log in the fireplace. It's going to be terrible. And it took uh, it, it took enormous energy to even get the, the president's attention on that. Uh, we are looking at a man who is disposed uh, to follow those who are suggesting that this is a country that would be better off if we had a totalitarian government, mm. an authoritarian government, a president who issues edicts and fiats and executive orders rather than goes before the American people and tries to persuade them of the importance of a vaccine, tries to persuade them that we need more uh, illegal immigrants in the country, that we need to leave our border wide open, that it's okay if we lose the arms race to the Chinese and the Russians uh, in hypersonic missiles. I mean, step before the American people and say what you're doing. Take responsibility for what you're doing, Mr. President. But no, that's not what we're witnessing. No, and we're we're, we're sure not. And I come back to sort of the fundamentals sometimes, too. Uh, who at OSHA ever put their name on a ballot and ran for office? I mean, they're they're writing this rule. Well, how about Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci ever run for office? He ever go out and talk to the American people, put his name on a ballot and get elected to any office? He's the highest paid guy in the stinking government. And he is he has assaulted our liberties for the last year and a half. Uh, did General Milley, who supposedly had this conversation with with his counterpart in China, did he ever run for office? Is his name on a ballot? Did he ever go out and talk to we the people and get elected to high office? No, that that is not how it works in our system. The system is you put your name on the ballot. You talk to the American people. If they elect you, then you're in the positions where you make the decisions, the elected folks who are directly accountable to we the people. This idea that these bureaucrats and this, quote, science, they're going to make all the decisions is BS. And the American people understand it. And the idea, too, that, oh, some some bureaucracy is going to tell parents how things are going to work. And some someone in Washington, Merrick Garland, is going to send the FBI to spy on them at a school board meeting. People don't take to that. And I think I think, Lou, that I said this the other day, freedom is contagious. Courage is contagious. When one person stands up against it, pretty soon. Remember, it was it was parents at school board meetings. Then it was Kyrie Irving uh, standing up and saying, "And look, I, I'm on for the vaccine. If you want to get the vaccine, but this should be an individual choice." Then it was the, the Chicago Police Union. So it's contagious. That's what we need more of in this country, and it's it's in us as Americans to uh, to stand up for liberty. And I think you're seeing more and more of that happening. And of course, the parents at school boards in the Virginia election were were example number one. And and to your point, uh, my family and I are vaccinated and we believe it's the right thing to do. But it is also the right thing to do to look over to our neighbors and to our sure. friends and sure. uh, and uh, extended family and say, you know, if that's what you believe, don't follow your conscience. Sure. Make your choice. You're an American citizen. You are not some sort of automaton who's here to do the bidding of the permanent bureaucracy, the deep state, and a bunch of radical neo-Marxists. They may not even be neo-Marxists. They may just be simply the mm-hmm. Marxists mm-hmm. left in this country now. 
Uh, it, it's, it's stunning the degree to which people have been quick to forfeit the right of a fellow citizen yeah. to it, make it, the choice that is fundamentally their constitutional right. Yeah. I mean, think about it, Lou. There are still places in this country today where a full congregation cannot meet on a Sunday morning. I mean, right. the first your first right mentioned in the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights, your right to practice your faith, your freedom of religion, still places. I, I think about your second right, freedom of assembly. I, I was uh, a few months back. I spoke to the New Mexico Republican Party in Amarillo, Texas, because for them to assemble, they had to go to Texas for them to get freedom. They had to go to Texas. They couldn't exercise freedom in their own state because their governor wouldn't let them. I mean, this is frightening for, for, for the longest time. Your listeners couldn't go to their capital to petition their representative to redress their grievances because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let them in. She wouldn't let them in. Like you couldn't even come to your own darn capital. This is frightening what they've done to our rights. And now this vaccine mandate, it just makes no sense. And then you got the practical implications. I, I got an employer who talked to me yesterday. He has 600 employees, a trucking company, 600 employees. He said over half his drivers are not vaccinated. What is this going to do to his business? And then more importantly, or as importantly, what is this going to do to the already uh, terrible supply chain problems we have? This is this is the kind of stuff that just like Joe Biden, do you, do you have any common sense left at all? So this is what frustrates Americans so much. And again, it's why I think you saw the results you did in the election uh, and, and why I think next year you're going to see Republicans win back the House and win back the Senate. Well, obviously, we all uh, hope and pray that uh, we do. Uh, I, I want those Republicans, though, to be uh, uh, from the Jim Jordan wing of the Republican Party, not the Paul Ryan wing of the Republican Party. The Donald uh, Trump wing is what we want, right? We want some. We, I mean, think about that, Lou. He, absolutely. The best president we've had, certainly in our lifetimes, and, and come to this town and did what he said he was going to do. I mean, th that's what we need. And um, I, I think we're going to get that. Well, you talk about the the Trump century that he created. I still believe it is in effect. And we're now hearing from John Durham, who, by the way, I had basically written off mm -hmm. as an investigator of the origins of the Russian collusion conspiracy and the persecution of a political persecution of a sitting president. And mm -hmm. suddenly we now are seeing results. I, I, I have to tell you, I am surprised, but I couldn't be any happier yeah. to see the the fruit of his investigation. And I believe that we're going to see far more. But the latest revelation that charges have been filed against a, a Clinton acolyte who was behind the Christopher Steele, yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> uh, phony dossier, which was the predicate for the special counsel and for the uh, the conspiracy against the president right. that ran for years. Yeah, no, and, and understand this indictment, like the one a month or so ago with of Mr. Zussman, this indictment of Danchenko was, um, this wasn't Danchenko lying to John Durham and his investigative team. This was an indictment, five counts, for lying to the FBI back in 2016 and 2017 when this whole thing was unfolding. So, you know, understand, and the same with Zussman. 
Zussman was the lie that took place back in 2017 as well. So when right. this whole thing was starting, this false narrative, this this made up story that somehow President Trump was had colluded with Russia. It, the, the other key takeaway for me is it actually was the Clinton campaign who was hanging out with the Russians and talking with the Russians. It wasn't exactly. it wasn't President Trump. And, and never forget the Clinton campaign hires Perkins Cooley, who hires uh, who hires Fusion GPS, who hires Christopher Steele. And Christopher Steele goes out and talks to this Danchenko guy who was indicted yesterday um, to make up this false story that became the basis that they took to the FBI. Now, here's the key. I think the FBI knew it was false from the get-go. I think Jim Comey knew this. So we'll see what John Durham concludes. But I think he knew it was false from the get-go, but they wanted to go after President Trump and did and put our country through three years of that Mueller baloney that we all uh, that we all had to live through. And, and and poor President Trump, as a candidate, already mm-hmm. under a FBI investigation for uh, under phony pretext, which was bought uh, and accepted so eagerly by the Comey FBI. Uh, then we watch the FBI investigation begin, leads to uh, this nonsense, then the dossier yep. uh, becomes a predicate for a special counsel investigation. And for crying out loud. And now we know that his his national security advisor was framed, set up and manipulated yeah. by the FBI for the purpose of a political yep. result. What they right? what they yeah, what they did to a three star general who served our country was just it just so wrong. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, I, I come back. Well, think about the second indictment, the, the, the one. Well, that the first indictment and Dan Jenkins was the second. So the first indictment was Zussman. That came a month or so ago. Zussman, he he also did the same thing, but he avoided all the middleman. Zussman, who worked for Perkins Coie, he just went straight to the FBI. He didn't go through Fusion GPS and hire Christopher Steele, who talked to Rush. No, he just went straight to him and said, I got information that shows false information. He said, I got the false information that they gave him. He went straight to not just anyone at the FBI, Lou. He went to Jim Baker, the chief counsel at the FBI, walked in directly to him, handed him false information that the FBI used to supplement what the with the dossier to start this investigation to President Trump. And, and the end result was the only one who really gets hurt is Michael Flynn, who did nothing wrong for goodness. It, it, this is how crazy it is. So I'm like you. I hope Durham, I hope he's um, he's going to he's going to push this and, and, and hold people accountable who deserve to be held accountable. Carry through on his work uh, with these uh, now two uh, indictments. We are watching a man who's achieving results for the first time. And what he's already done is validate uh, what you knew, for example, Congressman Devin Nunes uh, knew and understood because you're looking at documents uh, and had a background story as you fight uh, a a fierce fight uh, for the president. Uh, This right now, as it stands, a lot of Americans are going to be asking themselves, doesn't Donald Trump? just because of the political persecution uh, and the effort to destroy his presidency and all that he achieved despite that, mm-hmm. doesn't he deserve the nomination in 2024? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And won't it be very difficult for the Republican Party, its establishment, uh, to deny him that if he so chooses to serve the American No, it'll be again. It'll be impossible. He's going to win. He runs. He's going to win. I'm already I've been for him from I've been for him all along. Um, uh, You know, I I want him to run and um, I hope he hope he does. Well, a lot of people are hoping he doesn't over there on the uh, 
Democratic Party because they know full well uh, that uh, their lies are have now caught up with them. Not yeah, all yeah. of them. There's a there are a lot to go. Yeah. But this is the beginning of uh, truth being revealed. And, it, and you, it's exciting. And you made a great point there. Think about everything he got done. All he did that he said he was going to do in spite of in spite of everyone in this town being against him. I mean, every Democrat was against him. All the mainstream press was against him. All the bureaucracy was against him. And a bunch of Republicans were against him. Exactly. And in spite of all that, he got more done of what he said he would do. What he told the American, he built a wall. He cut the taxes. He reduced regulation. He got out of the Iran deal. Got out of that crazy Paris deal that Biden wants to get back into. He, he uh, put the embassy in Jerusalem. He, he went after the terrorists. It was like we were respected around the world. We had energy independence. We had a border that was under control. I mean, and I'm forgetting a bunch of other things, but like, that is amazing to me. That's the kind of guy I want as president of the United States. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans do uh, as well. So I think he's going to win the nomination. I think he's going to win the general election in 2024. Uh, is the saying goes from your lips to God's ears. Uh, the, the man absolutely uh, was a victim of the most vicious political uh, no. attacks and attempted coup twice impeached. Uh, right now, facing more uh, political persecution yeah, still in Manhattan, uh, as they're trying to 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 just continue to uh, assault this uh, president, President Trump. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's got it's got to be fixed, and it's got to be fixed soon. Uh, the Republican Party needs to rise up as one and demand that the nonsense stop, and that this president be accorded the respect that's been denied him mm-hmm. since twenty. Uh, since 2015, but as president of the United States uh, for the for the past four years uh, and the entire four years of his presidency. I I, want to turn to you because you use that expression, do what you said you would do. And I uh, I have it on good authority that that is the title of the book. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait uh, to to read it because uh, the the subtitle is fighting for freedom in the swamp. And that's exactly who Jim Jordan is, ladies and gentlemen. He's a man who has been fighting for freedom every day that he's been in Congress and supporting President Trump, uh, as uh, few others uh, would or did. Uh, He has been uh, an absolute uh, beacon uh, for integrity, for uh, fierce courage, uh, for, for knowledge and service to the American people. So if you might guess, Congressman, I'm going to buy a lot of your books. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I think your listeners will like it. I really do. I wrote every word of it. Uh, it takes them behind the scenes. It talk, talks a lot about how we started the Freedom Caucus, how we forced John Boehner out as speaker. Um, and then I get into a lot of the investigations, Lou. I've, I've had the privilege of, of working right. on when the when the IRS targeted people like your listeners uh, when uh, when uh, I I, I, we, I was on the Benghazi Select Committee, I talk a lot about that, and when we had Hillary Clinton in for that big hearing, and, and then of course a lot on impeachment, uh, what Adam Schiff tried to do, and the Democrats tried to do to President Trump. We 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 take him behind the scenes. Um, one 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 story we relate is when the, my my colleague stormed the bunker and uh, came in there when we were we were like Mark Meadows and some of us were already in there doing the deposition and they come in and how Adam Schiff reacted. So I think they'll enjoy that. And and then to spend a lot of time giving them a, a feel for the interactions I had the privilege of having with, uh, with president Trump and what a, what a great man, what a, what a good guy he is. And so I, I think your listeners will enjoy the reading 
it's available for pre-order at uh, at Amazon and at uh, Barnes and Noble. And so it'll be out in a few weeks. And we will be reminding everybody uh, that it is available on all all of our social media, our modest audience, and we will uh, do so through. Thank you. Thank and you. It's just uh, I, I'm I'm truly excited to read it. And uh, when I say uh, Jim Jordan is uh, best of class, I really mean that a patriot and a, just a, a great congressman, a great great American. You're kind, uh, Lou. You're you're the you're the patriot, and I appreciate it. And uh, I'll look forward to coming back on here again sometime. But uh, but thank you for thank you for what you do for our country. Well, thank you. And you get the very last word here today, as is our custom. Uh, the floor is yours for as long as you want to speak. You Not, have the final word. No, I'll just say thank you. Uh, I, I I appreciate uh, your defense of President Trump and what you have meant to our nation. Um, and it's a, it's an honor to be, uh, it was an honor to be on your show, uh, when, when you, when you had your TV show and it's an honor to be on your, you know, on your podcast here. Um, we'll look forward to coming back again, but God bless you. Have a great holiday season. We'll look forward to visiting sometime real soon. You too, Congressman. God bless you and keep up the great work. One of the takeaways, certainly from the November elections was voter discomfort with a Marxist left and their intent to defund police. Minneapolis rejected the abolition of their police department that was to be replaced by a public safety department. Our next guest is one of the country's most important conservative voices. She's known for her pro-police views, her opposition to so-called criminal justice reform, and has written widely on the subject. She's written a number of books, including War on Cops. She's an attorney as well, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute a graduate of Yale University with a bachelor's degree summa cum laude in English, a master's from Cambridge University, a graduate of the Stanford Law School. In other words, you will find her to be every bit as smart as she seems. And now, Heather McDonald. Heather, a delight and honor to have you with us on the podcast. Uh, Great to have you here. Thank you so much, Lou. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. We have much to speak of, Uh, and let's begin with a country that seems uh, to be uh, constantly validating uh, your fears, my fears over the course of the past 20 years, uh, and to do so in the the most extraordinary uh, fashion, and by that I mean attacking the very roots, the very foundation, the institutions of the country that have have liberated uh, not only a people and a, this nation, but the world itself. Your, your thoughts as we are witnessing all of this unfold before us. Well, you're right, Lou. I am in great fear that every institution of Western civilization will come down unless Americans get the courage to fight back against the phony narrative that America today is characterized by white supremacy and and that any ongoing socioeconomic disparities can only be explained by racism on the part of whites. Uh, Those two propositions are false. And yet the elites who control the discourse make sure that no alternative explanations are allowed in. For instance, if if we look at uh, 
incarceration numbers. You know, the criminal justice system has been under attack for 20 years now for alleged racism. And the, the main piece of evidence for that is the fact that blacks are incarcerated at a higher rate than whites. There's no disputing that. The left and the Democratic Party and Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, our attorney general, will only allow one explanation for that, which is police are racist, juries are racist, prosecutors are racist, judges are racist, uh, and crime is basically a racist fiction. Well, the alternative explanation for that disparity in the incarceration rate is that crime rates are equally disparate, but we're not allowed to talk about that. And so instead, what's been going on, and we've seen the results in the last year and a half, is that we are discrediting policing, we're discrediting the criminal justice system, the police are backing off under the phony charge of racism, the results speak for themselves. Last year saw the largest percentage increase in homicide in this nation's history, uh, going back nearly a century. 30% uh, increase in one year, which is utterly unthinkable. Uh, and yet the, the Democratic Party continues to turn its eyes away from the effects of this crime increase, which are more Black lives taken, in order to keep the narrative on track, which is that racism defines everything in the United States. And the way in which they are using that mantra uh, and, and, and cosmic conclusion uh, is as a, is a battering ram against all of those institutions, all of our, 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 this country's basic values. And at the same time, disregarding uh, any semblance of investigation and as to what is the true causal relationship between racism, between economic, uh, socioeconomic conditions uh, and outcomes, outcomes being in this instance, violent crime. Uh, it, it, is, it, it is awful to watch our national left-wing media in particular report as if uh, they're a direct conduit from truth and God Almighty uh, to the ears uh, of the television or web audience without so much as a single skeptical uh, glance at the facts uh, and the correlations uh, that, that follow from an honest examination of our, our society. It's as if 50, 60 years of progress in civil rights uh, in this country's histories have been wiped clean by the uh, the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, neo-Marxists who basically guide and outright run uh, most, I believe it's fair to say, most uh, colleges and universities. Well, Lou, you are absolutely right to finger the universities as the conveyor belt of this poison into the American polity. They are, every year we graduate a new crop of, of students who have been brainwashed by the poison of identity politics. They're carrying it into corporations. CEOs are terrified of their own workers. Uh, these are, are young people who are determined uh, to instantiate the ideology of the university, which is that 
white people are evil, that the institutions of Western civilization are oppressive, whereas in fact, they're the most liberating institutions that have been developed in human history. The left operates under principles that are developed uniquely in the West, equality, tolerance, rights. These are uniquely Western concepts. Uh, and yes, this, uh, this country had a extraordinarily uh, hypocritical history that was tragically uh, indifferent at the best, at best, to the mistreatment, the cruelty towards blacks. That is undeniable. And that is the one, one piece of truth that I will grant the 1619 Project, which is that we do need to acknowledge how gratuitously ugly parts of our history were. I can say that, and I can say at the same time, Lou, that we are not that world any longer, and that the concept of white privilege today is a complete fraud. The reality of our world today is black privilege because there is not a single mainstream institution, whether it's a law firm, a bank, a corporation, a foundation, a university, a big tech firm, a science lab, which is not twisting itself into knots mm -hmm. to hire, admit, and promote as many minorities as possible. Anybody in the corporate world knows this, who is honest with himself. Anybody in the academic world knows this. Every faculty search is one desperate effort to find both so-called URMs, that stands for underrepresented minorities because Asians don't count as minorities in, in academic calculations or corporate calculations, and females. So the Blacks are being admitted to universities. They're being hired to universities with qualifications that would be automatically disqualifying if presented by a white or an Asian student or, or often by a faculty admit. That is the reality. The, the, the statistics are clear. And yet we're all going around pretending that the discrimination of 60 or 70 years ago continues to define our world. It does not. And as you warn, Lou, this is so sweeping. You know, we spoke about criminal justice. It's not confined to that. I've recently been writing on the arts and classical music in particular. Classical music, Beethoven, Bach, and Brahms, and Chopin are being torn down on the ground that they are somehow associated with white supremacy. Science is being torn down. Uh, the, the federal science agencies, and I'm sad to say that Trump did nothing about this, are, are putting considerations of race and gender way ahead of scientific merit. They are putting our scientific edge at risk. They are putting our safety at risk. Medical schools are admitting students with woefully inadequate qualifications simply in order to meet diversity metrics. And talking about the university uh, and our colleges, our educational system, uh, suddenly the white male in this country is not only uh, uh, despicable, deplorable, if you will, uh, in, in the minds of the left-wing media and the uh, neo-Marxists who, who now seem to be driving the 
uh, ideological momentum within our society and uh, body politic. But the reality is the white male is now underrepresented, at least in historical terms, on our college campuses. The white uh, female is still prized because there is a box that each institution can check off to, to virtue signal, if you will, back to the federal government, which is the arbiter of all such things that, by golly, you know, someone is actually uh, paying attention to those poor females in our society uh, who historically have been ignored or, or suppressed uh, at, at various points in our history. Uh, it, it's absurd what we're, wit what we're witnessing. It has to be named as such, and you have just done it, Lou. It is a war on white males, and it's a war on a civilization deemed too white and too male. Uh, we, we cannot beat around the bush. That is what's going on. The, the New York Times is quite explicit. We saw over the last year and a half, two years in its coverage of the presidential campaign uh, and, and more broadly, all it needs to do to discredit an individual or an institution is to append white uh, before that in individual or institution. Uh, and yet the Times claims that Trump is the one who is divisive. We have heard endlessly about white supremacy. We've been leading this, living this fiction. We, our culture is, is now engaged in these dramatic fictions where we're trying to body forth this idea of, of dominant white supremacy. That's why we had razor wire and barricades around the Capitol for three months after January 6th to pretend that this one-off event of people that were, you know, out of control, unruly, you know, despicable in their respect for, for our public institutions represents some kind of growing tide, which is absurd. This was a, a, a unitary event that will not be repeated but we're supposed, to, but there you had the resources of the federal government arming itself to the teeth to try and send the visual message that we were all under siege by white supremacists. Uh, and you know, the the you're it's not a historical disproportion on college campuses today, Lou. It is just right now, it it is a disproportion. It's about two to one females to males. I want to okay. throw up. I want to throw up every time I hear about a new foundation initiative to get, you know, females into STEM or the idea that females somehow need more encouragement. No, it's males who are being suppressed and discredited and demoralized. And it's amazing that they succeed at all under these conditions where they are viewed as toxically masculine uh, if they show any kind of traditional male values of self-reliance and competitiveness and courage and effort. It's the white male uh, as an oppressed group in, in this age. You scratch your head as you try to assimilate what all has happened over the course of, well, since the 1960s. And why we are witnessing this now is, is frankly, I, I struggle to comprehend it, uh, Heather. I, I just, I cannot figure out, was it the war on poverty when we started differentiating by, by race and ethnicity uh, and subsequently gender? Uh, what happened that we went from melting pot uh, to multiculturalism uh, 
but with a with a real zinger in the midst of it that uh, there will be reparations there will be uh, we will reach back 200 years for those reparations to those who've been uh, oppressed uh, or suppressed uh, or mistreated in our society without even an acknowledgement for the veterans of the revolutionary war uh, how about those americans who fought to free the slaves uh, who died by the hundreds of thousands in, in the 1860s uh, to free slaves. Where is the balance and proportionality and the sense of history as, an as this nation is advanced? We are not the same as we were in 1776, nor certainly 1619. We are far, far better. But there is no implied credit to our society, to our system of government, to our body politic, and to our better natures as Americans uh, for all that we've achieved. Well, I, I agree with that analysis. I have been recently on sort of a reading jag of Black literature, some of the Black classics, whether it's Booker T. Washington or W.E. Du Bois or Claude Brown's Manchild in a Promised Land or Native Son. And I have to say that the sort of conservative trope that we we paid our dues in the Civil War is no longer too persuasive of, to me because the gratuitous cruelty and nastiness uh, to demean blacks continued well into the 20th century. And it's heartbreaking to witness. I can say that again. And I can also say this. My my what I've come to understand about why this is happening now is I think the elites are terrified that the academic skills gap is not going to close or the behavior skills gap. That means that blacks are killed at 13 times the rate of whites between the ages of 10 and 43. They die at 13 times the rate of whites. Why? Because their crime rates are that much higher as well. Those blacks are not being killed by cops. They're not being killed by whites. They're being killed by other blacks. So there's a huge crime and, 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 and work and behavior gap. There's also a huge academic skills gap. The average black 12th grader reads at the average level of the average white eighth grader. 54% uh, of black eighth graders do not possess even partial mastery of, of uh math skills for an eighth grade level. At that rate, you're not going to, it is absurd to expect that Google is going to have 13% black engineers when the math skills are so, so low and they never get better over the course of college. So I've concluded that what's going on now with this fanatical obsession to denounce phantom racism, where again, as I say, the reality of our world is black privilege where every institution is, is got double standards to admit blacks, is that the elites are terrified that after the 60 years of civil rights effort, things are not changing for the better. And the only allowable explanation that they want in play is racism. Alternatives like culture or God forbid heritability are simply uh, taboo. As far as the female stuff and males, uh, that's just feminism that is drunk on its own power, 
that is uh, angry for no reason whatsoever. I have never been discriminated against in my life. I'm to the contrary. I'm sure that I've been the recipient of unwarranted gender privilege constantly. Uh, and and yet the feminists still insist on playing a victim card, which is ludicrous. Well, they are aligned with the left, the Marxist left in this country. Uh, and understandably, they, uh, you know, they are drinking from the same punch bowl. Uh, are they inebriated? I don't know. But they are simply uh, they are, if you will, uh, entertained by the prospect of uh, all of that political power that they enjoy as part of the the Democratic Party's coalition. Uh, and to what end? It's uncertain. Uh, and the role of white males, uh, whites particularly in this society, uh, you know, when I when I'm referring to the Civil War and hundreds of thousands of Americans dying to free the slaves, I'm just talking about how about a footnote in history, perhaps just a little measure of credit for doing the right thing. This mm-hmm. country over time, have we made mistakes? Have we had periods of uh, awful and ugly uh, uh, inhuman occasionally, uh, behavior, certainly, but not as a main course of our historic uh, advancement. Uh, the arc of history is not bending this nation toward, uh, totalitarianism toward, uh, a, a discordant, uh, uh, departure from a worship of human rights and indeed God himself. This is, this is a religious country. It is a decent country. And when you watch the evening news or cable uh, television, you would think, my gosh, who are these Americans? I find them unrecognizable. Yeah. How about you? Well, yes. And it's not just American history. It's Western history that is coming under attack by people who are completely ignorant. The, uh, you know, look around... Lou, your listeners should just look around their room or their house right now. Let their eye rest on every single surface. Every single surface was created by materials engineer, all the gadgets we've got, all the furniture, all the connectivity, all the clean water, all the clean food. It is astounding how Western civilization with a rate of scientific discovery of of amateur dabblers in in science who were drawn by the the desire to expand human knowledge and human progress have transformed human existence from what was millennia of squalor and poverty and death and premature death and childbirth, child death into something that is literally unrecognizable for somebody to, that was living 200 years ago. And other, of course, other civilizations have created wonderful monuments, uh, wonderful traditions of, of literature and theater and, and, and art. But the fact of the matter is, is that Western civilization with its dedication to the scientific method and to tolerance and freedom is the driver of world progress today. And yet you have these college students abetted by their professors mouthing empty bromides about 
you know, colonialism and oppression, they know nothing about what was accomplished uh, with the Enlightenment, with the long evolution of constitutional history. They take it all for granted and want to throw it away, confident as they are that nobody will ever destroy their own standard of living. You know, I, to my knowledge, have never met a white supremacist, but I have met plenty of uh, virtue supremacists uh, of late uh, who tell me that because they are uh, leftists, because they are, uh, they live in a world of advanced uh, degrees uh, in academia, that they know better. And, and suddenly I'm finding the same thing in the Democratic Party. We will have mandates. We will not discuss. We will not persuade. We will not lead. We will not seek the consensus of the governed. We will issue mandates, fiat, dicta. And I can't find much of a difference between that kind of thinking on the part of our globalist elites in this country right now and the Stalinists uh, and the Soviet uh, in the Soviet era. Well, I, I ask myself that all the time. Is it, uh, can we be certain that liberty and a respect for the First Amendment and free speech is enough in our DNA as Americans to prevent us from sliding into Soviet-style totalitarianism? And I don't have the answer to that question, but when I see the censorship that's being exercised now in the private sphere uh, with the obvious sub rosa encouragement of the Democratic Party, right. it is very, very worrisome. Uh, and, you know, the, the John Stuart Mill got it right. The marketplace of ideas is the best way to arrive at truth. If you think an idea is wrong, the solution is not to suppress it. It's to come up with a better idea. And that's not what's going on now. It isn't. And, and to your uh, earlier assessment on uh, the elites and their concerns about not being able to uh, find a satisfactory explanation for f enlarged gaps uh, when they have spent trillions of dollars trying to narrow them uh, and to do so in ways in which they can create some sort of politically, sociologically acceptable veneer uh, that doesn't disturb anyone. Uh, the fact of the matter is our meritocracy that was America, a public school uh, education that was the greatest equalizer in our society, period, uh, all now threatened by the madness of the left and the coalescence of corporate power, academic power, and the political Marxist left in this country? Well, standards have disparate impact. The most pernicious concept in our world today is disparate impact. It holds that any academic standard, any behavioral standard that has a disparate impact on Blacks is by definition racist. So if you have you know, high standards for admission to a selective high school, whether it's Stuyvesant High School in New York or, or some of the schools in Boston or Virginia. And that results in a student population that is not equally distributed demographically by population groups, then those standards have to go down because they're racist. Or if the standards for scientific laboratory work or for medical research 
have a disparate impact and they don't result in a, a team doing cancer research that is 50% female and 13% black and 15% Hispanic, then those standards have to go because they have disparate impact. Uh, and, and, you know, that is, that is what's tearing everything down. And it is very scary to live in a world where meritocracy uh, is so destroyed because as you say, meritocracy is the key to, to, to progress and to human striving. But, but here's the dirty secret. You can have meritocracy or you can have diversity. You cannot have both. Given the academic skills gap, uh, you can choose you can choose one or the other, but but they are and and diversity, they are they are mutually exclusive. Diversity is simply a code word for racial preferences. It has become such. I think you're exactly right. And uh, we are also in a society that is no longer talking about equal opportunity and uh, and finding a, a way forward where uh, there is great advancement. It's happening because we have the momentum of this country's history and, and our system of government, but it is being eroded uh, almost, almost every day by whether it be a government program, whether it be a new uh, edict uh, emanating from the White House, or we look to the southern border where two million illegal immigrants have crossed over in the course of the past year. Uh, not all of them will stay in the country, but many, if not most, will. And there is an open border for sex trafficking, human smuggling, drug smuggling, uh, and the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans to overdoses because of those drugs, whether it be fentanyl, heroin, marijuana, cocaine. Uh, that is upon us as our government does not perform the basic fundamental uh, functions of government, which is to preserve and protect the republic. Well, Lou, I'm I'm surprised to hear you using a sort of a utilitarian argument for border control, which is this you know drawing upon well the criminals are coming and the drugs are coming or the or the terrorists are coming. Mm -hmm. That is all true, but it is also simply even without that, it mm -hmm. is a demographic change that is going to transform, is transforming our culture. I'm a Los Angeles native. I can tell you the city has changed immeasurably and unrecognizably since I grew up there in the 50s and 60s uh, because of large-scale mass immigration. It is now a third world city. We are importing poverty. We are importing a poverty culture. Uh, and What's going on in the border now is absolutely terrifying, uh, and and we probably will not be able to, uh, you know, have anything to to counter that. The only counter I know, Heather, at this point, is and this this podcast is dedicated to the Great America show. Uh, I believe this is a great country. Uh, we are always becoming. But we have been great for centuries now, and we have to make certain that we are credited appropriately with the reality uh, that we experience and not uh, be persuaded by such nonsense as being spewed by some academicians who more are more in the business of indoctrination than education. Uh, 
uh, and to understand that if we don't take control of our communities, uh, our neighborhoods, our lives, uh, the rest of this country will be very difficult to, for anyone to change unless we begin at home, begin in our hometowns to, to govern ourselves once again and demand that right and responsibility for all Americans. Uh, Heather, you are always instructive. You are always fascinating and always uh, brilliant and spot on. Uh, so thanks for being with us. You get the last word here, uh, as does each guest. Uh, I just want to say, first and foremost, thanks so much for what has been an engaging conversation. You get the last word. Well, thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to get to these profound ideas with you. And I would just add to your observations about opportunity that is the key, and people have to be armed with American values, with bourgeois values, in order to seize opportunity. We have to support self-reliance, deferred gratification, hard work, self-discipline. Those are the keys that have made America prosper, and we should not be ashamed of embracing those bourgeois American values as the legacy and birthright of all Americans. If we can do so, and, and, and point out the fact that people who exercise those values and virtues will get ahead. There is hope for the country after all, Lou. Absolutely. Heather, I couldn't agree with you more. And I thank you so much for being with us. and hope you will come back with us uh, very, very soon. I hope so, too. Thanks so much. Heather McDonald. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.